That's Herb Alper and the T1 of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is a contributor to Fangraphs and also a PhD candidate in philosophy. His name is Matt Clausen. And in what follows, we spend a small eternity with him. It actually needs to be said, uh, I don't recall precisely what we do talk about in <laughs> in the audio that follows. Uh, but I, I can tell you this, Matt Clausen is someone that I've known, um, or known of at least since 2009 when we both begin writing for Fangraphs, and since 2009, he's someone whose um, work I've always respected for his thoughtfulness, and, and, and he's, he's Clausen really has the capacity to be articulate in, in ways that, um, that very few other people are, at least that I know. Of course, uh, with the presidential election occurring on Tuesday night, uh, we cannot stray far from that topic, and uh, spoiler alert, I do call it Montana for Mitt Romney during the course of what follows. But mostly the nature of this conversation uh, is the sort of thing uh, the two friends who have not talked for some time, it's the sort of conversation that they would have, uh, asking questions of each other, uh, hopefully trying to answer them, and always, uh, and always of course, uh, an undercurrent of antagonism. Uh, that is the nature of it. You know, uh, let, let's just get to it, though. Uh, it is uh, it is Fangraphs Audio. It does feature Fangraphs contributor and uh, learned gentleman, Matt Clausen. And it begins right now. I know. Well, after that awkward incident at the party, you know, it's, <laughs> there's bound to be some, some tension. Yeah, I, uh, I that was weird. I I cut that hole in the, in the bottom of the popcorn. Do you know that? <laughs> you know that that old trick. Yes, I yes I yes I uh, I do now. It was it wasn't meant for you though. <laughs> no, I should. I should hope not. <laughs> it was for Appleman. I think we both know that. <laughs> yeah. I have no influence, so it wouldn't have done you any good. No, or that's harm. true. And I'm willing to whore myself out for for really any sort of personal gain. Well, you're full-time now, so it, it's working. Yeah, don't forget it. Don't forget it. No, I, there's no reason. There's no reason, Clausen, uh, except for the fact that I had time. I Before that, I was I I had only time. That was all. That was all I had. That was my greatest <laughs> asset. <laughs> I had only time. I had no uh, no responsibilities. Um, we had no form of uh, other form of income, and so uh, it was a match for that reason. Well, indeed. And uh, honestly, we should just make this me interviewing you. I don't have anything interesting to say. Blah blah blah. Royals this. Blossomy that. Don't ask you about my program. Yeah, Whatever. that's right. That was uh, you asked that. That was the first. Blah blah blah. But let's let's talk. We should talk about Carson. Well, I, you know, I, well, I always view this, Clausen, uh, especially with you, uh, as a conversation. There, there's, I, I assume entering it that there will be give and take. Well, that's right. Well, you know, it's once a year, so. At this point, you know, it, it, sadly it is, yeah. Well, Mark, we're, we're coming up on almost the, we talked about this last week, uh, you and I, on, on, uh, the email or Twitter or something. I gotta call it the Twitter and the email. Do what you gotta do. Put it, yeah, put put an article in front of it. See if I care. Well, right, because I'm at the age now where I call, I'll call it the Twitter and the email. That, uh, if this is the one 
Halloween, I believe, was the one-year anniversary of the new format. Because I remember, did Dane Perry, does he still work for us? He does. He does sometimes. He does most of his work uh, with CBSSports.com's Ion Baseball. I, we've got a lot of. We've got. We're really inf- inf- <laughs> inf- infiltrating. Is that what they say? Infiltrating. We inf- we inf- we infiltrated. Yeah, we, we, we have are. infiltrated with, with with Dane and uh, Chris. Is it Swick or Quick? It's Swick. Yeah, I. I it's Swick a possibility. And- and, and Lil, Lil Jackie Moore, you've got a job there. Yes, it's 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 possible that those last two persons uh, might have something to do with the first one. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Because that because Dane Perry, as you know, has has sway. If he has anything, it's sway. Well, he does have lots of sway with with the sideburns, and yeah. uh, and the book on Reggie Jackson. Well, he did he did write a, a book about Reggie Jackson. Now you uh, you have not actually had the pleasure. I don't, I think maybe you have not had the pleasure yet of meeting. Uh, Perry in person? No, I haven't. Right. I, I, I'm guessing he's imposing. Um, well, he's imposing because his, um, let's see, I should say, his mind and his intentions are threatening. His, <laughs> are they? Physically, he's not imposing. Um, I, uh, those sideburns, that wrestling, and that wrestling, and that wrestling hat, that <laughs> wrestling mask. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, I guess. You know, those are composed um, photographs. Okay, there's there's composition, I should say, uh, behind those. He he does not look. He's not. He he is like I say. He's threatening, uh, but not. I would say that is the more appropriate term, uh, because you never know what he's going to do. So basically, you're trying to tell me he's four feet six inches tall. I'm not. I'm not saying that. No, I would say he is five nine. I would say five eight or five nine. That might even be shorter than me. You're not imposing either. I can tell you that. No, I'm not. I'm perfectly average and nondescript. I look like a lot of people. My brother <laughs> and I, are, and, and and like nobody. I yeah. Mean, my brother and I are both very nondescript. My brother, uh, I don't know. I guess, of course, we don't think we look alike, but against the, you know we're brothers. Yeah. So against the broader population, uh, we do. Yeah. And my brother once has separately won. He, he he almost wanted – he used to live in Phoenix. He almost mm-hmm. wanted – boy, it's probably before you were born. He almost won a Dan Marley lookalike contest. Oh, that's great. And other people – a lot of people, you know, because, you know, we grew up in Oklahoma. And of course, yeah. he moved to Arizona. We both went to college in Kansas. Uh, thought he looked like Timothy McVeigh, too. Well, there you go. I actually um, – I actually so – I, I have a friend who's a kindergarten teacher, and she asked her students to, um, uh, to draw, draw a, a Mennonite. She said, "Just draw a Mennonite from memory, and uh, all of the portraits looked exactly like you." <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they did. Well, yeah, I do have, the, I do have the urban Mennonite look going. The I urban got... urban Mennonite. Well, yeah, because the the classic rural Mennonite um, is generally just uh, pretty standard. You know, I wouldn't say they're in shape, you know, because they work on a farm. But you know, as we've as the farm has you know died and mm-hmm. Mennonites assimilated, my uh, genetics are not uh, react. My genetic disposition has reacted differently to that environmental change. So, you know, the urban Mennonite is like me. You know, you got a little bit of, of a of a of a tire going mm-hmm. around the waist. Yeah, sure, sure. And in really skinny arms and little wrists. That's yeah. what I call the urban Mennonite. Um, now that tire is that? I forget. Do you are you a drinker or no? You don't. You do or no. don't. You don't. You don't. No, care I don't it. know. It's not that bad. I mean, it hangs over a little bit, but basically, I'm just a middle-aged guy. I've started running. 
I don't want to talk about that too much because it's really embarrassing. You know, the pride I take, the sort I will, of time distances I take, a pr- I take pride in. But that's what happens when you reach my age. All of a sudden you realize, you know what? They're never going to build a pool in this tiny little ex-urban town in, in Ontario. Yeah. And they're not going to build a gym here anytime soon. There's like 10,000 people here. So, and you figure, uh, I, I guess I have to run even though I hate it. Wait, there's not, uh, pardon me, there's not even a, a gym in your community? No. What, what about like a, um, like a YMCA or, uh, something like that? Nothing like that? No. A, uh, what's, what? the, what's the woman's fitness center? Curves? Yeah. No, the other town, we, we used to live in a, a town that was a little bit bigger, it was more of a suburb, and it had, it had a curves, but not here. Yeah. I tell you what, um, uh, just if, if, if you're curious, Clausen, or if any of our listeners are curious, if you, uh, if you just press your nose against the glass of a curves for about 45 minutes an hour, uh, eventually, eventually, yeah, the police will ask you to leave. Yeah, not necessarily full, full blown arrest. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, they will ask you to leave. Um, oh, is that I, where you're going with that? I thought I was making my own joke. No, no, that's, uh, that's what I was telling you. I, I did a little research like that. I did a little field work, uh, classic. Yeah, well, don't, don't they have a contours here now? Is I don't that, know what like, that is. is that, that's a knockoff curves chain. I do want to tell, I do want to mention, uh, Klaus, I think it's, uh, particularly fitting, um, for Fangraphs Audio. I think it's fitting in particular, um, in, in a, in a case where we have you as a guest, that on election night in the United States, I think that happens every four years to decide who the leader of the country will be. Uh, we are broadcasting live on tape uh, from from the Toronto suburbs. Yeah, not even. This is almost. I don't know what's exurban. Exurban implies you know think, well, but, more wealth, right? Uh yeah. I guess it depends because like in certain. I mean, I guess it depends like the the composition of the urban area because. Like, like obviously, like in Europe, you find a greater concentration of, you know, frequently you find a greater concentration of wealth near the city center, and yeah. poverty as you go out. That hasn't generally been the case with most American cities. Although I think that that is actually starting to occur more than it has previously. I think that the urban centers are uh, being uh, are becoming more wealthy, or, or well, are becoming wealthy again. Woohoo gentrification. What, what about gentrification? Isn't that what gentrification is? Uh, yeah, I or? guess that's I guess that's part of it. I mean, I, I don't know if it if that applies to urban areas specifically. Although, I, I I guess urban areas are the places that have been around long enough uh, to go through uh, to to have an affluent period and then and then a period of whatever the opposite of, of you know we're skewing more towards poverty and um, um, dis dis uh, well a word maybe. Maybe I'm just thinking of the village. Uh, yeah, well, that's York the thing. That yeah, right. Yeah, that's a lot of. Yeah, I mean, it's not all Lou Reed buying up everything. Yeah, but um, which yeah. is too bad. No, yeah, because Lord knows he's got great taste. That is a classic Clausen line right there, because what you're using is uh, irony. If anyone ever wanted to find irony, and 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 that is a that is a word that has uh, eluded some people. Um, but they would really just need to read like, like three and a quarter tweets by you, Matt Clausen, and they'd be like, "Oh, okay, I got, I have a pretty strong hold on that right now." Well, I think that might have caused a lot of misunderstandings between uh, our fearless editor Dave Cameron and I when we first met in person. Yeah. I 
as as you know, you and I, our sense of humor, uh, tend to be in sync. But you know, Dave's a wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. You know, as as you know, but uh, his uh, perhaps this is because of his lack of exposure to pop culture. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. He he doesn't quite uh, uh, hear things the same way. Now I have a question: Is, is this because on the one hand, you do frequently speak, especially I think when you're when you're discussing matters pop cultural, if I can use that construction. You, when you're discussing, for example, baseball, or for <laughs> example, um, um, uh, comedy, or or uh, music, I know that you will frequently. I, I don't want to say resort, as in like, um, you know, it's like your last. It's your last option, but you will frequently utilize um, that particular tone of voice, the sarcastic tone of voice, um, an ironic tone of voice. However, at the same time, I've known you, and and it's been captured on tape, so you can't even deny this. I've also known you to to be able to speak um, very articulately and, and I would say, gently and um, interestingly and earnestly – and not in and not in, a, in an earnest way that's sort of burdensome, but in is uh, um, but is pleasant uh, on on other matters, like and for example, philosophy. And I'm I'm curious, do you do you recognize that division in yourself? And I mean, regardless of whether you do or not, why do you think it exists? No, I think there's a. I go back and forth. I think uh, uh, how can I say it quickly? Uh, I can't. I guess anything quickly. That's why it's 12 minutes into this podcast. We haven't started talking about baseball yet. <laughs> but I think it's a defense mechanism. I don't know. I think uh, I, 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 was, I I think deep down I'm a sentimental person. Mm-hmm. But uh, not even that deep down. I don't think you have to dig that far. But I think because of that, uh, uh, for various reasons, I developed this sort of uh, ironic. Maybe not in a cool Tomas Mann way, but uh, wow. Uh, okay, facade. so this that that sentence in itself is revealing. Maybe not in the cool Tomas Mann way. I think that well, that should give everyone a pretty clear idea. Because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a vulgar irony that I think a lot of people in my generation share. Uh, but in my case, I think it's a little bit of a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. There are a number of causes for it. I I can you know this isn't a therapy session. Uh, well, it could be. That'd be really fun. Um, well, you don't have to pay me. That's that's one advantage for both of us. Well, for you, yeah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> we're, you're producing content. That's all I care about. That's producing content. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, t- stay tuned for this slideshow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that could be where I'm at in a year from now. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a defense mechanism or, or a way of def- tracking things, sort of like the sort of, you know, sort of like uh, my uh, – can you be self-deprecatory? Is that a word? Yeah, well, self-deprecating. If you yeah, wanna, I think that's yeah. that's also. I mean, I do that. Yeah, uh, that's it, yes, that's a function of my lack of self-esteem. Uh, but uh, talk about buzzwords. But it's also, uh, you know, I'll, I I'm, I can't believe I'm admitting this to the uh, millions of people listening to the Fangrass podcast. But yeah. I think it's a bit of a defense mechanism. You know, get them before they get me uh, a little bit. But but yeah, but I think it goes. Goes hand in hand a little bit. I, I, well, I want to I want to assure you, Clausen, that um, as um, while while the world is cruel um, and and constantly threatening, um, I, I want your time on Fangraphs Audio. I want you to feel as though um, and I, and this is not necessarily mean you to you need to be 
um, earnest and sincere constantly, but I want you to feel uh, I want you to feel as though you should you should you should feel at ease. That's 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 what I want to um, convince you of is that you you should feel at ease. Well, I do. Okay. I do, I do, Carson. As long as uh, I mean, I'm counting down the days. We won't get into the details, but last minute I cannot make it to the big Fangraphs bash in Arizona. Yes. yes. That like that sucked. That that was not a good start to to the year. So uh, I I'm counting down the days. I actually I think it just as went below freezing for the first time this mm-hmm. winter. It's a late winter in Ontario. I've actually saw snowflakes on my big run today. Just a couple. And so it's yeah, happening. I'm I'm looking forward to 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 Arizona. Well, here let me ask you a question. This this is actually shockingly related to baseball, but also has to do with um, the Arizona trip. Um, of course, every year. Um, as many members of Fangraphs as can make it, generally speaking, um, will descend upon uh, the desert, yes. the southwestern desert, and it's a lot of fun. Now, um, there is going to be uh, it, not not as many members of Fangraphs, but the, the people who are generally tasked with running the site on a day-to-day basis, um, and including me this year, uh, will be descending within a, uh, in a month upon Nashville. So the winter meetings? Yes. So what I mean to say is that for whatever reason, Clausen, uh, Appleman has permitted me to attend the the winter meetings. That is awesome. But here's my question, though. What sort of things, Clausen, what sort of things would you find uh, – do you think that you would need covered from the winter meetings? Uh, What what GMs were wearing? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's hilarious. Yep. Mainly, if you ever catch, well, ah, man, though it's gonna be in, in December or in November. I don't even know what it's like in Tennessee that time of year. Maybe too cold for them to. Maybe they aren't gonna be wearing, uh, you know, khakis, knit shirts. You know the, you know the J.C. Penney's. Uh, she knows. J.C. Penney's J.C. Penney's set for the spring training professional. <laughs> Right. Yes. The in uh, the glasses. Uh, I mean, Dayton Moore. The Moore. Sunglasses with the straps. Yeah. Right. Dayton Moore d- does a great job of that. He is tremendous. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty sure. I mean, look. Let's say. I mean, I've made a lot of fun of Dayton Moore, but the guy is awesome. Awesome. Well, I shouldn't say awesome, but he's very good at what he does. If he got fired, he could have a job five seconds later. But if it didn't work out, he he could be a model for that line of clothing. The the J.C. Penney's line for this. He could, and, and and people should know this, Clausen, and and perhaps I'm overstating it for uh, for the effect of the of the narrative, the drama. You I you know you've definitely made your share of quips with regard <laughs> to Royal GM Dayton Moore. However, yeah. I witnessed firsthand when we were in the parking lot of the Royals training facility, or maybe it was the Rangers training facility, and. It, however, it was arranged. Somehow, we saw Dayton Moore's, well, like Cadillac Escalade or something. It was awesome. And you were in legitimate, or or clo- close to awe. You were close to awe. You were you were humbled. It was awesome, and it was it was incredible. Yeah. And then Jackie Moore and I both got to bond over the Ned Nedios parking space. But Dayton's Escalade, that was the highlight of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, until Eno and Albert. Uh, and I saw Brandon Belt's uh, <laughs> wind up at the plate. Which no, Aaron uh, Rowan. Aaron Rowan. Oh, was it Rowan who had the? Yeah, right. It well, got it, a little. It well, got a little. It got it, a little 
nasty. It was erotic. It was erotic of an erotic nature. Or I, I guess, depending on your disposition, it was of an erotic nature. I know we saw a belt, too, because I yelled belt like I always do, right in Eno's ear, which was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I was just thrilled that Eno, a guy named Eno Saris actually existed. Yeah. And uh, and I, I support, um, on, a, on a number of levels, I support any sort of uh, harassment of Eno Saris. I, uh, well, I thought you were going to say you support his existence. <laughs> well, I also support his existence. I mean, well, I'll say that I support it now that he's around. Uh, you know, I mean, if if you if you described a guy like like that to me, and uh, you're like, well, this is a person who might be someday, I was like, ah, I don't know if we need him. I don't know if we need him. It's a the world is pretty full already. He sounds well, like I a can, silly person. Well, his name is just awesome. You know, for a long time before I, I you know, I just saw it all scrunched together. I wasn't sure if it was Enos Eris. <laughs> like you know Enos, I mean? like Enos Slaughter. Well, yeah, Enos, the legend of Enos Slaughter, or Enos, or Deputy Enos, of course, the most important Enos of all time. Uh-huh. Enos from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Uh, no. uh, well, okay, debatable. We'll call it debatable. Too, yeah, you know what I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna call it, Clausen? I'm gonna say it's too close to call. You're gonna say too close to call? Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that the margin there is, uh, uh makes it too close to call. We need this to be. We need this to be. We need. We need to somehow do a live podcast so we can get like have an insta poll. Yeah, we can't do that. But what I will. Here's here's a question I had for you, and I thought that um, I thought that because of your training in in philosophy, I I don't know, (laughs) and your and your uh, your your uh, study of the the human condition, the human spirit. Indeed, you might have you might have some perspective on this. Okay. Um. I think it's fair to say that a number of people feel strongly one way or another about um, about a presidential election, a presidential election. I'm not saying even this one. I'm saying generally people f- seem to take sides um, pretty strongly. At the same time, I'd suggest that um, w- what makes that somewhat remarkable um, is that generally there, se- there seem to be – and perhaps I'm wrong on this, but there seem to be very few issues that are actually being um, decided by the the election of a president, right? Like, you know, there are a couple of t- topics and people have opinions. Oh, this guy could do it better. This guy could do it better. There could be an emphasis on certain va- certain values or other values. Um, but pe- the people's interest in it seems to outstrip the actual tangible effects that the election of a president has on a nation. Right. And, and it reminds me at some level, because because it seems like w- what happens is people's sense of identity um, becomes tied pretty strongly to to their candidate of choice. Um, again, in a way that I I would consider as disproportional to the actual um, real live effects that the election of that candidate has. And I'm curious. I, I'm curious. I mean, perhaps, perhaps you view that as an incorrect analysis. But if you do, if you do agree with it at some level, I'm curious. What, what do you think is actually occurring there? Well, psych- I'm not a psychologist, mm-hmm. although, you know, when I was a – right before I left for grad school the first time, I was in a small town in Kansas, and they kept thinking I was going to come back after I got my degree and psychoanalyze them. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> they were a little confused about psychology and philosophy. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of those people because that happened up here too. Uh, so All right, well, I, I don't want to make fun of anyone at this Are point. Are going to be a therapist? Uh which would be pretty funny if I'm a therapist. They, uh, but you you, yeah, you may I'm not be a, you may not be a great therapist. I'll be like, oh oh great, mommy issues. Oh that's fantastic. 
<laughs> but but the uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think. Uh, well, I think there's a couple different things going on there. You are talking about a psychological phenomenon. I think people do identify uh, strongly in certain ways. You know, get uh, uh, their public identity they're trying to, uh, trying to present through how they talk about politics and the candidates they openly support. I'm not sure what you. Uh, I'm not sure how one would measure that if they're on the same scale. If they're both on a runs scale, as it were, a win scale, right, right. Uh, uh, in terms of personal identity versus how much it matters, you know, I it's hard to talk about this without making a political statement. Uh, you know, I tend to, you know, I'm just like I think most other people. I tend to be pretty cynical about our, uh, political structures in general. And uh, but you know, I remember in 2000, people saying it didn't matter who won really, <laughs> and I I would say that it, it turned out to matter. Um, so, I mean, as opposed to the, uh, I'll just leave it at that, because I don't want to go right. down that rabbit hole. I mean, it, te- it seemed to me that it didn't, turned out to matter a lot. Okay, um, yeah, so so I guess that's, a, I mean, that's another argument, maybe. Um, and, I, and I would say that the the, the differences then, uh, in certain ways, are, were less stark than they are uh, these days. But mm-hmm. it's it's also complicated. I mean, look, I think there are big differences in political ideologies, but it's it's hard to say, I mean, in terms of just the presidential election, how much of a difference it's going to make because, uh, you know, I haven't followed the news because it's, uh, because I've been preparing for this podcast, obviously, and not <laughs> watching <laughs> stupid reruns of sitcoms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, 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 the legislative balance, last I checked, is probably going to remain the same, right? That the Democrats control the... <laughs> Control the uh, the Senate, the, the Republicans, the House, and then. Uh, yeah, that's my sense. I don't, I don't know who's going to be, become the president. I assume it's uh, look like it's going to still be Obama. So I mean, really, in that sense, nothing's going to change. But it does make it. You know, I don't know. I guess we're talking about how big of a difference it makes. Uh, so in that sense, it, I mean, the president would make that much of a difference with uh, everybody if the legislative balance. Uh, remains the same, but right. so you, uh, so you so you think that so you you think that um, it's it, at some level contrary to what I'm saying um, that maybe that maybe people investment in it and um, their the degree to which they identify with their candidate um, might actually might actually be justified. On the other yeah, on the other hand, I'm not sure it's justified. Uh, on one hand, I, I think there is a big difference, uh, or a significant difference. Maybe not as big as some people would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I think, I do think the self-identification is, uh, is, I, uh, I would tend to agree is overdone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're not that candidate. <laughs> and people tend to say it in a, with a certain pride. And I would suspect mostly around people to, look, this is just, Psychological speculation. I said, this, this is, is armchair. Just, this is armchair everything. This is armchair everything. You know, I, I, it, because you know, I, you know, on Twitter, for example, I think most people share roughly a lot of the same general political standpoint I share, and it's almost like affirming yourself to a group. Mm-hmm. And look, I believe X, Y, and Z. I'm a good person, and I suspect that happens. Having in my life been in very different environments where the majority of people believe very, you know, different things. Right. Well, you're from Oklahoma. We can say, we can say that. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. And even if I wasn't part of that, uh, the majority there, I can, mm-hmm. you know, see it happening. 
and I, but I can see it happening, you know, in my own group of beliefs that you want to say out, hey, hey, this is what I believe, and this identification sort of lets you be cool or get get together and shame and you know. Do you mean shame. cool? Do you mean cool like Thomas Mann? Is that how cool you're talking about? Because you can't get cooler than Tomas Mann. You can't. It, it's actually hard to watch more than like 10, 15 minutes of MTV without them invoking the, the name of of Thomas Mann. I know. I well, I'm pretty sure MTV is just basically over the last 30 something years of its existence has basically been an extended uh, an ex, an extended gloss on uh, Doctor <laughs> Faustus. Doctor uh, Faustus. Or right. maybe it's Magic Mountain. I don't know. Wait, and, and Thomas Mann, wait. Um, Zauberberg. Did he also do Death in Venice? Am, am I right? Yeah. Okay, all right. That, yeah, that's the text with which I'm familiar with. right? What's that? That's Emma Wright, right? M-I-I-M-A-M-I-R-I-T. Yes, it's all those things that you're saying right now. I've read just enough Paulo Freire, Clausen, to be dangerous with him. Uh, I do remember though that in in, in um, a piece he's written on, he has a, a, this uh, theory of the the. Are you familiar with Freire at all? Is that the pedagogy of the oppressed? I think that's where yeah. he 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 denigrates Pythagorean port to the to the <laughs> and affirms Pythagorean Right. Uh, I don't, it's been a while since I read it. But he no, but he's uh, he discusses though he discusses this idea of now he doesn't discuss it in terms of sports and and that. Uh, Let's use Freire right first to talk about politicians and then and then and then sporting allegiances and see if see if there's a distinction. But um, that that part of it is that there is some danger in the electoral process um, because we identify so closely with the politician that we that the individual feels as though he is liberating himself or at some level actualizing himself. When in fact it's merely the candidate who's being elected. It was actually this was illustrated humorously recently on Thirty Rock when uh, the character of Pete Hornblower, I guess it is Pete Horn, Hornberger. Pete Hornberger, right? Where Hornberger. Yes, uh, well, wait, is it Pete Hornberger or is it Danny Nobler? <laughs> no comment. No comment. But the um, uh, right. But he he was trying to relive. He was trying to revisit the experience of of Obama having been elected in 2008. And I, I saw that that was one of the few ones I've seen. I was incredibly disturbed by Alex Baldwin's weight loss. Alec Baldwin. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Right. Yes. Yes. He is. Uh, yes. He has lost. Are we going to talk about that? Is that what we're? No. 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 Let's keep talking about right. the hornblower. So. So. Be whatever it is. Hornburger. He, he's. He's. He's disappointed. He expresses. Disappointment that not that everything didn't change, right? And I think that I think that what Freire would say is, of, of course, it didn't change because um, because the the voter, the individual, has a tendency to put um, a certain degree of his personal fortune into the you know into in, uh, invested in the candidate, but the payback is. Um, as you know, the payback can be real, but maybe not to the same level that the the the, the voter, the 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 citizen, the individual um, might expect it would be. Yeah, I would also take that. Uh, yeah, I assume that you know, Thirty Rock. We talk about Thirty Rock for a long time. I like Thirty Rock, 
because uh, one of the things I like about it is that you know there's an obvious political uh, standpoint the writers hold, but they're not. Uh, I think this episode reflects that they're not self congratulatory about it so much. It's almost the assumption. I mean, I think you say it's neutrally. There's an assumption that yeah, look, obviously we're just like we're you know we're liberals, we're Hollywood liberals, right? Or New York, New York liberals in this case. Right, right, and well, no, but I mean the perspective of the people writing the show, even though I guess they're New Yorkers. Oh, right, that, right. Uh, well, I mean, you know that uh, whatever her name is Tina Fey. Yeah, I know she's a Northeasterner or whatever, Pennsylvanian. Uh, that, uh, yeah, there's they don't spend a lot of time mocking Republican politics. You know, there's this assumption, right or wrongly. I mean, sometimes they do that it's that it's silly, and they spend just as much time uh, sort of in a self ironizing. Mm-hmm. Of the self-congratulatory uh, entertainment industry liberal, like Liz Lemon, right? And like I, the episode, and, and I, that, I think that episode does a good job of. Uh, I don't think there's so much ironizing, but uh, well, a little bit. The disappointed, disaffected liberal who just wants to recapture that 08 feeling, and it turns, you know, the Obama and change, and it turns out it was a lot. Frankly, it feels it felt a lot like Clinton's first term, right? So, right, where so, it was this transformative FDR moment. Uh, but he was just doing this sort of this triangulation thing, you know, Obama sort of fighting, holding on just for survival, uh, in, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, sort of facing an even more difficult situation than Clinton was, uh, you know, big losses, like Clinton facing big losses in the first sort of midterm congressional elections, uh, you know, just struggling against, uh, all this stuff and just hanging out for dear life. So it wasn't this big, Huge transformation that everyone expected. No, the need to recapture those feelings of, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the first, you know, the 08 election. Uh, and of course, it's also hilarious because Hornberger is an un- underutilized character. Maybe they've done a good job on that show of, of not overdoing the minor characters. But I, I wish, it's, you know, if you remember the first couple of seasons, Pete Hornberger seemed to be a lot more involved. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, show. okay, yeah, yeah, and and they have the which I think is hilarious because there's always the pathetic, ineffectual boss. It's a really funny character. I mean, he's a he's sort of like the Trey Hillman of the show. Uh, as I like to think about it, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or or maybe the the 2011 Terry Francona. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned the the um, how the in the writing of the show. Um, they're they're less likely to to sort of I guess play their political hand and and it, it actually reminds me of something John Stewart said um, he was on a show and or, or may, I'm sure he's reiterated this other place I, it what I'm um, sort of pointing to here is probably a, kind of a um, a combination of of d- different comments he's made to this effect but the idea is that like if your priority is to advance a political ideology then then you have by by that in that decision you have not made the priority of telling a joke and getting people to laugh is hard enough that you can't yeah. you cannot prioritize sending a political message at the same time right so well, it's it, like if, if you want to make if you want to generate laughs that has to be your that has to be your priority yeah um and and you know the, and and you cannot have you cannot also have like a this other idea, it's like, oh, well, we also want everyone to vote Democrat at the same time. Like, you, you, can't, you, yeah. do, you can't do both at the same time because one will necessarily be um, – or the quality of one, you know, 
will be affected by the other. Yeah, well, and to the extent that happens on 30 Rock, it's almost, again, like uh, in Mon, there's this ironizing of the narrator. And if you take the show as being narrating and uh, pushing across this sort of liberal agenda that's rightly or wrongly associated with Hollywood, there's a self-ironizing of that. Like Liz Lemon's talking about, well, actually, Jack, I'm still registered to vote in Illinois because it's a swing state. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember that line, you know, this making fun of her pretensions, you know, what we're doing is art. Yeah. You know, and they do, oh, the fart machine, you know, and the, or, uh, you know, when she buys the Shea Guevara jeans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it turns out he's, a, it's owned by Halliburton. Right. It's all a brilliant, uh. Right, yeah. Without, she, they got the obvious liberal, I, I mean, they, they make it obvious at certain points, but it's, it's not preachy. Mm. Or should I say it's rarely preachy, the left liberal standpoint of the writers of the show. It's not obviously the main agenda of the show, and they make fun of the pretensions. All along the way, and I, in, in that way, it's refreshing to watch. Now, I know that at points you have uh, bristled at the comedy stylings of Louis C.K. And it's, it's not. No, well, wait, wait, let, let me finish. Let me finish. It's not him. It's not him. But yeah. Okay, and I was just wondering if you had. Or, I mean, so listen, I totally acknowledge that I've that I've uh, mischaracterized you for the sake of of drama. Yeah. Uh, that that's what we do. I, I'm I'm a content generator, Clausen. Okay. <laughs> what I do is. I, I create I create the story. That's what I. Yeah. This the story the story is uh, doesn't happen. I create it. The um, so perhaps I'm, I'm mischaracterizing your position, but I'm curious if your position has changed since now he's become essentially like the comedian of record. You know I I I was gonna say I've just never or I shouldn't say I've never. It's just been a long time since I've actually enjoyed stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. So it's something I I wanted to make, emphasize that it's not Louis C.K. I have a problem. Although he did do something about the Royals, and I was going to do a Notgraph's post about it, about how worthless Royals fans are, and I was going to say, I mean, and I deleted it. You, d- you know, no, you did like the post. You did the post, and I, and I deleted <laughs> it from our. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's what happened. Level, like Royal Royals fans are so low on the totem pole, where like only two wins worth more than a stand than stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. I just don't that I like comedy, and I think he seems to be a funny guy. We don't. We occasionally get the show. You ever watched it? It seemed okay, although it seemed a little bit too much like a. Ursat's uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm the couple of times okay. I watched it. Maybe, maybe it was unfair of me to judge it, but you know what? It just felt like that. Mm-hmm. Well, like I mean, the, some of com- the... This professional comedian, although he plays basically a guy playing himself in incredibly awkward <laughs> situations. Right. Uh, sorry, so I don't, we don't need to get... Because I've only seen... I, and I won't judge that show by a couple of times I watched it, although I did think it was funny. So I just... The whole stand-up comedy format, that's always seemed a little bit weird to me. Mm-hmm. Or sort of this spontaneous telling of jokes that is not spontaneous. And some, some people have been in others. I'm not going to say at times I've enjoyed it, but at a certain point, maybe it was the early 90s, when it just seemed like there was tons of stand-up comedy crap everywhere on shows. And just, yeah, at early Simpsons where Homer's watching, uh, ah, uh, forget it. Uh, he's, he's watching some, one of these lame, you know, comedy shows at night, you know, and it just, it just sort of encapsulating for me the form. But, but, uh, I'm glad Lucy Case can be. I mean, nothing will ever be, you know, to me, I, I've enjoyed seeing a comedians when they're on talk shows, not doing their act, but when they're just talking. Mm-hmm. And of course, Norm MacDonald takes the cake there. I'm not, his Twitter feed has got to be the most disappointing thing in the history of history. Well, it's, but, but his Twitter because, feed, I think that a lot of, um, right, so, so, I, I, if, if I'm correct, well, like, essentially what he does is he just narrates golf. Yeah, what I, I, I was thinking I was going to get like, well, the, 
the thing from Conan O'Brien God, 20 years ago, it must have been, with Courtney Thorne-Smith. I wasn't expecting that, but I wasn't expecting him just to talk about golf the whole time. What happened there? All right, well, first of all, so a couple things. We should say that one with Courtney Thorne-Smith, that's the uh, that's the Carrot Top episode? Yes. Right. All right. So that and that's funny. Is like, is is Norm Macdonald? So Courtney Thorne Smith, uh, she was on another show too. Maybe she played like the girlfriend in Family Ties or something. Uh, Courtney Thorne Smith, I believe. Uh, I honestly, I didn't really watch the show. Melrose Place. She was known for Melrose. Place. Okay. All right. And she Mel- was in. Uh, she was Station. in what was probably not a great movie with uh, Carrot Top. Yeah, called Chairman of the. <laughs> well, that kind of thing ruins the joke. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it's. Uh, um, but the idea is Norm Macdonald was, I guess, the first guest, and yeah. he will not stop talking during her interview. No, no. I, Norm, I going out of limb, I'd say Norm was probably a bit drunk. I, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm – Or he just uh, – or he – I mean he – it seems as though one of the things uh, that's required of the comedian is uh, not to care a lot, is that yeah. you're, you're so close – like – I don't know if you've ever reached these these parts, or 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 if if you have not necessarily done it, or if you've read any compelling narratives about it. But there's a certain time. I mean, I certainly have fantasies to this um, to this effect. Not as not as many now as I have at other times of my life, where you're like, man, everything is terrible. Everything is <laughs> yeah. terrible, and and I fan, might as well. That, that, as a Royals fan, that is right. pretty much the state okay. I'm in. From 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 April to September. All right. So, September, so yeah. So there's that. There's that thought. Everything is terrible, and you're like, well, I might as well off myself. But then you think, you know what? Before I off myself, you know, like I have free reign. You know what I mean? Because at this point, I have uh, stripped away all of the the inhibitions that you know that I would normally uh, have felt, and uh, I can act however I want because I have this constantly. I have this recourse, uh, or you know this this move to which I can resort uh, that will absolve me of everything or at least all <laughs> responsibility. And, and so I think that like there for a comedian to be great or what thing that can make a comedian great is when he occupies that space where he's like, I could always bail out, bail myself out of this uh, by committing suicide. Right. <laughs> and, but with that as like protection, then you feel more licensed uh, perhaps to say things that, that are inappropriate. Well, this podcast has certainly taken a bleak turn. I don't know if it's bleak. I think it's real because at the same time, uh, this is this is this is the most depressing thing we're talking about a podcast since what was it two three years ago when Dave Cameron talked about Evan Longoria dying in a fire? Yeah, and he's he does that less now, but he does uh, he does still mention people dying in fires or, or uh, yeah. That's a that's a Dave Cameron maneuver, but uh, yeah, I don't think I actually don't think it's that bleak. I think it's I think it is nice once you acknowledge the fact that that's an option. You're like because I don't, I don't really think I would ever do it, but I can convince myself that I would. Right? Uh, you know, it's that little fantasy. There's that fantasy, but that I you know I think it liberates you in other ways. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, you don't think so? You don't think that? Uh, so 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 you think that? I'm kind of confused. So basically, Norm Macdonald was so worried that <laughs> he'd lose his career over making fun of Courtney. Th- of, no, over no, no, fun no, of no, I, no, no. I'm saying he'd have to commit suicide. No, no, no. I'm saying what I think is, I, I think the he as a person is so close to that to that precipice. Yeah. Where he's like he he just takes for granted that life is miserable. Really. 
Yeah, I, I get the, the well, sense you, that you I get the sense from him that he thinks life is miserable. Really? Yeah. Huh? It's not that bad for him. He's because his his comedy. Well, okay, I haven't I haven't seen his. He doesn't seem as misanthropic as the little bit of Louis C.K. I've seen or. Uh, although he's not a, well, I don't know, is Larry David, was he a stand-up comic at some point? Well, Larry David comes out of like, like, pretty clearly like a, a tradition of, of Jewish comedians who are just, um, discontent, right? They, well, he, he's a, Je- well, Jets fan. Well, okay, so yeah, that's, it's, Say uh, it's characterized by that, but, but, uh, Louis C.K. is a little bit different, especially because Louis C.K. also has like, very loving meditations on his daughters. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is not something you find in Norm Macdonald's comedy. No, no. But but to back to his Twitter feed though, right? His Twitter feed is at this point is just uh, reports on what is happening in golf. Like he'll just narrate in real time what's going on in a golf tournament. Yeah. But do you think at some level, like I feel like a lot of his jokes over the years, like he's always looking for that space where where. Um, he can like if he if he feels like it's an easy laugh he's never going to take it like he always kind of, he always wants to disrupt the beat a little bit the beat of the joke I mean you know when he was the on his stand up I, I listened to quite a bit actually to his most recent stand up album and that's very good um, and you know it's 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 funny the whole time you know there's laughs there's laughs yeah. pretty frequently. Uh, when he was, you know, of course, when he was on SNL and was hosting uh, Weekend Update, there were a lot of laughs there. They were they were non-traditional laughs in some ways. They depended frequently on repetition and absurdity in a way that you don't see uh, um, other people utilizing. But they were still well, they his, were still laughs. It, yeah, and his that that was a truly great era for that. Right. Uh, I mean, because he took things in a really different direction. You know, uh, from Dennis the, Miller was Dennis Miller the one right before him? The, uh, or Neilan? Uh, yeah, Neilan didn't last long. I feel bad for Neilan. He's sort of, Neilan and Quinn, the sort of bookends, who are probably a little bit underrated, but, yeah, I mean, no one right. Miller was an unbelievably annoying. Uh, but, but Norm, Norm was really, in retrospect, that was a golden age, because he was really, really good. Yeah, the, just the stuff of the David Hasselhoff thing, uh, uh, Frank Stallone. I want to say to you, um, this I I don't want to I, I don't want to break too much news here, but we can call uh, uh, here on FanGraphs Audio. We are calling Montana for Romney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. Well, okay, we're gonna have to take a break while I redo my big my big board. You <laughs> did you fill out like a, did you fill out a, a, an electoral college bracket? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I used Indeed twice. You did. No, it's okay. Uh, it's all right. But I, yeah, I, uh, I want Steamer to start doing uh, their own electoral things. We need to get that guy on here. Who's that? Oh, Steamer. Jared, Jared, Jared Cross, the guy who does Steamer projections. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what he teaches. He's got to be the – like the Steamer I, – I don't know. People, if people don't know this already, listening to this podcast, the Steamer projections, you know, are – that was a class project in a stats class he teaches. Uh huh. Right. Right. And it wasn't. It was like younger students, wasn't it? I'm not clear if it's high school or or university. Either way, I mean, if it's high school, it's awesome. Right. But still pretty cool in university, because uh, it's a good projection system. Yeah. Right. And I think that they were particularly good with pitchers. 
pitchers last year, and he was incorporating pitch FX data into it. Right. Now, right. I don't know if he's continued to tweak it with students mm-hmm. or if it's just him, but that's that's awesome. I think he should get into electoral forecasting. Do we have an update on, St- on Steamer at this point? Do we Have they released any of their... Uh... 2013 projections? Yeah. Have you seen I any 2013 so. projections come out yet? Uh, Well, not official ones. I know Dan Zimborski is working on his, as always, the Zips guy. And, uh, you know, Cho- I got Chone, uh, Riley or Sean or whatever you call right. it. There, theirs came out uh, basically the day after the season ended, hit the last time he did it a couple of years ago. Uh, but, but but he doesn't do it anymore. Well, not publicly. Not publicly, he's, right? He's he's working, uh, team, he's working for a team, and I'm assuming it's projections. Right. Uh, Dan, I think, is doing his. Steamer came out really late last year. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. almost it was. And uh, now you, Oliver's aren't exactly out, but his update throughout the season, and he's got a 2012, and he's got he's got it forecasted for right five right, or right. six years. So you can go look at his 2013 projection. I and if I'm not show. mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. Um, so um, I don't know where where and when zips are coming out, but I think that I think it might be. From what I've heard, they don't, you know, they don't tell me a lot of things uh, because there's no, yeah. real, there's no real reason to tell me. But I think that um, it could be a little bit more intimately involved with fan graphs this year, the Zips ones. And then I know that uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard that as well. Yeah, and I know that uh, also uh, Brian Cartwright has mentioned on Twitter a number of times that uh, Oliver will be released uh, through fan graphs this year. Um, yeah, that is that is good. So we've got I mean three. Really good projection systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it sounds like I'm selling something, but if they're all going to fan graphs, they're going to be free anyway. Right. Uh, Dan, I mean, Dan is Zips. I don't know when he started doing that. It was uh, mid aughts. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think I have a from at least 2007, and uh, and of course Dan is talking about on Twitter. I think I can say it here. He's talking about doing do, starting. He's going to do. He's working on football zips. And uh, oh, okay, okay. You should, I mean, you should just have Dan on here. Uh, but I think he's working also. I mean, he wasn't kidding on doing projections for TV ratings. Yeah, I saw both of these conversations. Yeah, I, I saw these conversations. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how that would work. And well, I'm not. I honestly, nothing is. I don't understand. Who cares about television ratings? But you know, I'm well. I'm sure the networks do, and they would find that pretty cool. I think that. Well, I guess one would care about television ratings insofar as one enjoyed a television show and wanted it to continue. Um, being you know, on right. So like, would Whitney be like hmm. uh, Unieski Betancourt, and then are you there, Chelsea? Would be I, well, like, I don't know. Does how, what does Whitney do in terms of ratings? Because 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 the problem, the thing is, in baseball, uh, right? In baseball, there's a pretty strong correlation between talent and performance. Yeah, and I would say that in um. In the arts, and in you know loosely defined the arts, that is not the same thing. So, <laughs> for example, I mean I think that for for whatever reason, for example, uh, Two and a Half Men is very popular. Okay, <laughs> yes. it, it 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 it, it uh, has a lot of viewers. That's just a fact. But at yeah. the same time, I think that I don't it's I don't know if you could prove it objectively, but I think you could say it's not a very strong show. <laughs> No. Which is not, I mean, it's not challenging in any sense. Uh, you know, the jokes, the jokes are very similar to jokes you've heard before. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I don't know what, I don't know what, a, what about it precisely allows it to be successful, uh, so successful, but it is. And, but, but that, so I would say that that has more to do with, 
in in that case, the quality may not um, may not be that great, but the uh, the success is is significant. And but whereas, yeah, but- for example, Thirty Rock, I think, which which I think is a strongly written show uh, and strongly performed, um, does is always finishing third in its time slot. Yeah. Well, they keep it on because of all the awards. Or they have kept it on. And I think for other reasons too, right? Because I think like it, – um, It's NBC. <laughs> well, there's that maybe. But but I think also a show like 30 Rock um, is likely to have a long is, – is likely to be more successful in syndication. Um, yeah. And it's it's already it's already being syndicated. Um, but it because it has it, – because it is tightly, um, tightly written, it – it has that possibility of of being able to be watched two or three times. You know, you. Yeah. I mean, are you more likely to watch a rerun of? Well, that's not exactly fair, but the point is that I think it holds up to to reruns um, better than than a than a different type of show. And also, it, I, you know, it gets. I'm sure. I don't know what the to what degree, like how the downloads figure in and and the uh, the yeah. DVR things and the in the DVD sales, but those, those must factor to it somehow. Well, I, I'm curious. I mean, guess we'd have to ask him, but how Dan's going to even for, what what it means to forecast. I mean, because when a show first comes on, he doesn't have anything to go off. Does he just go? Yeah, I don't even know what it would mean to forecast ratings. I mean, I, because after a show's been on a year, I guess you could forecast. The I wonder if you could predict it based off of like, um, you know, the actors in the show, the network it's on, the time slot it's yeah. in, and then like who the showrunner is. Like, if there's a showrunner who's had you know a great deal of success. Uh, yeah. Producing shows or or not, but um, yeah, I uh, yeah that I mean it's interesting to see what variables use. I mean I guess you can run uh, if there's data there, you can run regression analysis on it, right? And you can come yeah. up with variables that that matter. Well, Dan's like a super smart guy, so yeah, uh, yeah. I I don't doubt it. I just I'm curious to see how it works. I mean, frankly, I don't even know how you do it for football. No, I would have an idea, but. I don't know. I used to be when I was a kid. Football was my sport. Of course, wasn't thinking what we call statistically. I don't know if you call it. Is it still sabermetrics if it's football? Yeah, I, I mean, quite you know what? You know what? Yeah. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna okay. call it Switz because I'm from Oklahoma. I'm gonna call it Switzer metrics <laughs> because he's the greatest football coach, maybe the greatest person in history. Is he still there? Is he still the coach there? Barry Switzer? No. No, okay. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know my, that much about it. I know that's Big 12, though, right? Yeah, back in the, he was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the Big 12 when he was there. It was a Big 8. I don't even remember when he got fired, but it was long time ago. Long, mid 80s. Long time ago. Long time ago. He's just, what part of Oklahoma? So, I'm actually, I happen to be looking at the electoral map right now, but, um. <laughs> How is Oklahoma, how's Oklahoma gonna go? It's hard to say. Hard we to say. But the point. You know, for a long time, it was just, just it is not really because it's, it's not really part of the South. But it was a strong, so it couldn't exactly Southern Democrat, but it was Democrat, you know, strongly Democratic state in terms of its voting, the term reputation. Now it was sort of the classic uh, New Democrats of the 70s and 80s sort of switched as uh, you know the we call them Republicrats as they became to be called. David Boren was one of the Oklahoma. Senators, and uh, I think he might be the president of OU now. And uh, Ronald Reagan said, called once called him his favorite Democrat. But yeah, anyway, that changed. Where? where uh, so I'm looking at the state though, and I'm curious as to where whereabouts in the state did you live? Where are you from? You know where? No, can you see? Is Oklahoma City on the map? I don't really like. No, uh, Oklahoma no, City's I mean, kind of. Oklahoma City's right in the middle of the square part. Okay. 
of the square, uh, kind of. Uh, maybe it's a little. And then, right, I lived in a sub- suburb sort of right directly north on the northern outskirts of Oklahoma City called Edmond. Edmond, okay, okay. So, so you live pretty close to Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, it's right up against it, yeah. It's a suburb. Oh, okay, all right, all right. What is, uh, what's that, what is that city like? Because I know that, um, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I know at least two things about Oklahoma City. Can you get, can you guess what they are? The Thunder? Yeah. And, uh, you already made reference to it sort of earlier in this conversation. Uh, I did? Uh, yeah, well, Timothy McVeigh. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the only two things I know about Oklahoma City. Um, what else? I mean, what what is there to know about it? Is it is it different than some of those other cities in that area? Is it different than Topeka? Is it different than Omaha? I would say, well, Oklahoma City or Edmond. Uh, Oklahoma City more. Well, you know, I didn't. It's not like I know a ton about. It. I mean, I was. We just. We didn't. It's not like we didn't. I should say. It's not like we avoided going into the city. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it wasn't like we lived out in the country and we lived in a suburb, you know. It's just Oklahoma City. I don't know. Uh, I can talk about Oklahoma in general. Uh, Oklahoma City, I mean, all these cities are distinctive. I mean, Oklahoma City, I don't even remember, you know, I should know better about its relative size compared to Wichita or Kansas City. Um, you know, there are schools there, but it's not a college. T- I mean, Kansas City, it's not a college town. You've got Kansas University right there. And Lawrence, which is right close by, and mm-hmm. Kansas City is its own entity because is peculiar entity, right? Because it because it's on both sides, it's in both Kansas City and Missouri, right? Uh, a little like St. Louis, except well, there's East St. East St. Louis, which is right, right. its own depressing entity. But uh, Oklahoma City, uh, it's I don't know what would I. There's interesting stuff there. There's the I think they call it the Western Heritage Hall of Fame now. It used to be called the Cowboy Hall of Fame, but even when I was a kid, it was at least as much about Native Americans as it was about cowboys. Uh, it's got the only state capital without a dome. Okay, okay. That's interesting because I think when they built it, they didn't have enough money to finish it. And okay. then there used to always be these things to well, let's put a dome on, and then you know I personally think it's distinctive. Don't have a dome. You know. No, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Every year, uh, the Oklahoma State House um, is is decorated uh, with a different different design made out of corn. Is that true? <laughs> You're just reading stuff Wikipedia. I've never <laughs> even heard that. No, no, I'm. Uh, it was a joke, Klaus, and I'm confusing it with the Corn Palace or whatever, the Maze well, the Palace. And I've been to the Corn Palace in South yeah. Dakota. Yeah, I've been there too. Yeah, that's. Why were you there? I. Well, uh, a couple times I've moved across the across the country uh, out to the west and back. It's just a logical stopping point. Uh, if you're on uh, what? If you're on ninety, yeah, it is actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is that is that important? Wait, is that is is that a urine urine South Dakota? Did you say urine? Well, it, I always want to say Huron, but I think it's urine. Urine. This will have to want to say it or something. But a urine. Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact uh, town probably name. Probably not urine. But I know that they. I know that they were. Uh, things were complicated this year, uh, by the fact that, um, by the fact that the uh, because the crops uh, was a poor showing for corn because of the. I guess there was a drought, and um, and they, they had fewer colors of corn from which to choose. That's yeah. that's awful. Yeah, yeah. But isn't Darren Erstad from South Dakota? 
Uh, uh, or North Dakota, maybe. James, no, Jamestown. Yeah, Jamestown, wherever Jamestown is. He's from. Yeah, and uh, well, here I'm looking it up. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. Do you know what I just discovered? I mean, oh. remembered? Yeah. <laughs> He's the head coach of Nebraska's football team. Yeah, okay, there you go. Erstad. He's from North Dakota, and I think uh, Travis Hafner is too. Okay, yeah. So that's like the capital of guy, white guys who were good for a couple of seasons and then sucked after signing a huge contract. Yeah, there, that probably describes a lot of baseball players. Uh, <laughs> but okay, in this particular case, <laughs> before, before North Dakota, that's that. Yes, they have a uh, they have a, uh, mar- a, lo- a long tradition. The uh, I want to ask you about one thing. Before we get going, Clausen, because uh, I thought we were just getting warmed up. Now we got to talk about baseball. No, no, we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> we're gonna, what, 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 don't we need to talk about micro brews? No, no, God no. Do you want to do that? <laughs> no, no, I don't want to do that either. That's, that's Eno. That's Eno's. That's yeah, Eno's. it is Eno's thing. Um, you, well, you demanded that we that we discuss it, and, and I I neglected to bring it up during the course of this. Is uh, where where are you in your program, Clausen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ex-urban. I'm an ex-urban Toronto, uh, Ontario. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you mentioned, of course, uh, uh, via email that, that never or not to ask you at all about your your status in your program. You should never. You should be very sensitive about asking graduate students about it. I am. Well, you, you know, I, I, I ask your ask your wife how much she likes it when people ask her about it. Or ask her, maybe your wife's like super. Hey, wife. Awesome. She's almost done. Callie. Kelly, how do you like it when people ask you where you are in your program? Yeah, do you like that when people ask you, oh, where are you in your Ph.D. program? It doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> I did it. She declared it doesn't matter. We, uh, t- tell, t- there's a possibility. T- she, there's give, a possibility. Give a couple more years. Yeah, there, there's a possibility we, we may not see it through to the end. Oh. Huh? Yeah. She's, she's glaring. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not mentioning that. It's trying. It's trying. You, I mean, I'm sure you're aware that's right. You're also trying to raise a child at the same time. I know. I know. And I'm trying to do these. I'm trying to blog. That's oh, that's a nightmare. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to. I, I do have one thing I want to bring up with you, Clausen. And I feel like. I feel like this is an intervention of some sort. You know, I, I've always considered you to be a man of some integrity, um, and yet I think I see you going after. Making that, you know, doing that same thing that I see Bleacher Report doing. You, you do these posts that are just designed only to draw page views, to drive <laughs> traffic, Clausen. I mean, look at, you did your King of the Little Things post. You know, you, you did. I think I must have gotten three comments on that. Yeah, you did the Carter Batista Awards the other day. I mean, listen, Clausen, <laughs> have some self-respect. Write about stuff that interests you, that you find interesting. Don't just throw these posts out there trying to get all the page views. I know. It's disappointing. I know. Well, don't worry. I'll, I've, I've got a whole series. I've got a, a top ten yeah. free agent. Slideshows. Uh, slideshows. Yeah. Top ten free agent slideshows. Top ten free agent slideshows. You gotta scour I, the internet to find the best slideshows about it. We, I, Irvin Santana, uh-huh. number one starter, best mm-hmm. starter in baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. That's gonna be my next. That's gonna be the title of my next post. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen. Uh, you've performed your patriotic duty. 
I don't know. I don't know to which to which patria though. Asia? Yeah, it might yeah. be better if it's Canada or United States. Uh, but we have successfully uh, managed to do whatever we just managed to do. I know this might be the worst pot, Matt Claus and Pad podcast yet. I actually enjoyed it. Um, well, I enjoyed it too, but we didn't talk about baseball, and I actually think I, I know a little bit about it. All right, we'll have on. We'll have you on again soon, and that way we'll we'll dedicate it all to the Royals. And it's just you get you get uh, you get a little bit difficult to handle, Clausen, when I get you talking about baseball because you very you're a little you get a little bit upset. You know? I, well, I will talk about something cheerful. That's what we and did. I actually, I actually think the Royals have some hope. You did? Uh, yeah. Next couple of years. Yeah, but we can argue. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think they're going to take advantage of it. But, but I, you know, I do. That's actually, well, we're at the end of our time. We're seeing one here. I did. That's what's frustrating is I can see potentially light at the end of the tunnel here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're not going to get to the end if you're. If you decide to mount up on Irvin Santana and Jeremy Guthrie, but right, right, that's, that that's the problem. Right? I mean, like may not have been in the best way for me to put that, so I hope it doesn't no, get no, taken no. out of context. No, but no, but the um, it will on all the uh, yeah, that's right, all the news programs. The um, yeah, no, you're right. Like I, I mean, so one of the challenges, right, from for for any GM or for, for the majority of GMs, is to extract as as uh, a bunch of wins out of your team for uh, for less money than they're worth in the open market, right? Yeah. And um, the Royals are constructed um, in a way right now that that would that would theoretically allow them to do that because you have a lot of guys. And I don't know what all the exact contract situations are. You clearly do, but but you have in Mustakas and and Hosmer and. Um, I think and Butler and Alcides Escobar and Sal Perez. Right. All those guys are signed to very team friendly contracts. Right. So 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 if you add um some free agents there who are going to produce wins, uh then you you know, then you can do that. But you but you're right, the 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 Irvin Santana trade is not necessarily a harbinger of of greatness to follow. Yeah, look I mean look the the Royals they, they're just like it. They could fail miserably the next two years, even if with the right free agent signings. Like if, ha- if Hosmer mm-hmm. and Mustakis keep hitting like this, there that no GM would really it would be hard to survive that for any team when two both great prospects fail. And say, well, I mean, look, yeah, I like Will Myers too. There's no guarantee. You know, it's more likely than he's <laughs> he's unlikely to come up and pull a trout. Trout was unlikely to come up. I mean. You know, blah blah. Mike Trout. Right, right. That's yeah. That's not a thing that, that any that, team that, could expect. You, yeah, Mike Trout's not going to do that. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I bet mm-hmm. he could be really good, but he's not going to be you know Mickey Mantle every season. He's not going to do it next year. Well, it's extremely unlikely he'll. Do, it's unlikely but, to do it, right, right. But 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 so, you know, but if they, you know, if Hosmer and Musakis are bad and Will Myers isn't any good, isn't any good right away. The next couple years will be miserable for the Royals, but it seems unlikely to me that all three of them are going to bomb. And so, you know, I don't think Sal Perez will keep hitting like this, but he's really good. I mean, you know, it's arguable that next year with full year, he'd be the best defensive catcher in the uh, American League. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's Weeders right now, but I mean, people believe that about Sal, and it's it's the guy's got an amazing arm. He, he, he blocks pitch as well. I mean, he's really big, which is not. It makes things complicated for a catcher. It's not a guarantee. I'm not huge. I, I'm not. A, some people seem to think LCD's Escobar is, you know, basically Ozzy Smith. 
Uh, I'm, I like Ayala, but these are all good players anyway. Mm-hmm. So set up. So with a couple of pitchers, I mean, they'll need some luck on the pitching side. I don't think 2013 is necessarily their year with you know Duffy. He's going to be hurt, things like that. But it could happen, you know. And it's you know I don't like to blame owner. I, I think people use ownership being cheap to to sort of let the front office off the hook. It's a little bit much. Mm-hmm. The front off, the, the, but the, the ownership needs to be willing. I think people are right with the money in baseball now. That even if it doesn't start till 2014, they need to be able to have it, at least attempt to have a payroll over 80 million dollars. Now they. You know, it could be they keep trying to sign the right guys. We don't go to, you know, don't get to $80 million by giving Jeremy Guthrie, you know, 336 or something stupid like that. And then, uh, you know, and they get in a crazy con, you know, re, re-signing Irvin Santana. You know, you know what I mean? But, but they could do it. You know, if they, I, they go hard after, like, I, if you're going to lose on Annabelle Sanchez, don't make it. Don't don't lose a don't lose out on him if some t- other team gives him sixty million dollars or something. Right. You know, and is that going to solve? I mean, look, yeah, it's only two or three more wins. In two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, those are the these are the years to go for it. And if, it, if you don't make it because Hosmer and Mustakas and Myers, if they if you don't get a superstar out of them and two of them bust, you weren't going to survive that anyway. But at least give it a go. You don't have to. You, you don't have to mortgage the future. You know, you're going to be able to trade if you sign some guy, and unless you give him an insane no trade clause, uh, you'll be able to trade him. You know, but if you're not going to go for it, I mean, Butler's only signed through 2014, I think. They, Butler and Gordon, those are your two best players right now. They're not going to get any better than they are right now. Right. Probably not. Now, what, uh, what about? Can I ask you about uh, second base, Johnny Giavatello? Is that, is that how do you say it? Johnny Giavatella. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's terrible. I, no, I don't, well, I don't, believe don't use the word terrible. Don't you, no, no. He, he has some skills and he's young. He was one of the, but, he was one of the better hitters at AAA this year. Yeah, that's the problem though. I, I want to believe in him because I, I liked him and the Royals have wasted a lot of time the last two seasons not giving him a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when he, but when he has, he's just looked horrible. I mean, what about him? What, it, offensively or defensively or both? It's it's one thing for him to be bad defensively. I think everyone kind of expected that. Uh-huh. He's been even a little worse than we thought. But well, how bad can it be? It's pretty bad. Uh-huh. But at the plate, he's just looked lost. And okay. uh, what's scary though is that the guy who's supposed to be the future, uh, Christian Cologne, uh-huh. uh, hasn't hit any better. Than him in the minors, it, it's similar ages and levels. But, well, although he did almost slug 400 in the second drive through Double A this year. That is your that is your tone of irony. That's a note of irony from Matt yeah. Lawson. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, Giavatella, He's. I mean, yeah. It's less than 400 plate appearances, but he's 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 not walking. I mean, in the minors, his main thing was that he made Giavatella. I'm back to Giavatella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did a good job making contact. Uh, you know, I don't think he ever had a strikeout rate. Over twelve, uh, over twelve percent, and that he and his walk rate was decent. You know, I mean, that doesn't always try translate. He didn't have great power. It wasn't even good, but it wasn't terrible. But in the majors, he just he he just he's just terrible. He looks terrible on defense, which is always going to get you know drives managers crazy. The guy's not hitting at all, so I don't I don't think scouts were ever all that all. Ever all that high? I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Ever all that high on his future this is a potential starter because of his defense. I don't think he doesn't have the arm to play third. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh right, 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 right. And he doesn't have the bat to play left. And so, uh, I mean, which is really where you go after second base, right? Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean that happens, I, right? I mean, I mean, but, there's, it's 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 a rare for a guy like Giovatella. I mean, he kind of self-selected into the well, not self-selected, but his skill selected him into the second base left field gene pool. But yeah, I I want to believe in it because Chris Getz is a disaster. But honestly, he may not even be as quote unquote good a hitter as Getz, and he's he just he's a terrible fielder. So, and what's really sucks is that he <laughs> I, he doesn't really have the skills to be a utility man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I. Christian Colon's supposed to be really good in the field, uh, but he's playing shortstop, and I think everyone's a little surprised by that. No one thought he would last there, but you know who knows. I look, scouts are righter than I am. Uh, I will note that the same scouts who say Christian Colon's also at shortstop also said Mike Mustakis probably would would have a hard time sticking at third, and Eric Hosmer was going to be a Gold Glover. Uh, it's not kind of turned out to be the opposite there, um, but you know. So, and also that. Shortstop to second base transitions. Yeah, I think shortstops are generally better fielders and with skills, but it doesn't always turn out that they're. I don't think it's a little too soon to write him in as an awesome defensive second baseman. I think there's some people who are just better suited to shortstop. Uh, it's a very different case, but Alexi Ramirez, I think when he first came to the major leagues, he'd been a shortstop in Cuba, and he just looked like he had a lot of trouble with second base. But then when he moved back to short. After one year, he left. He he looked great. So yeah, I think he was. Uh, I think he's he's uh, persisted in being one of the better defensive shortstops in the league, if I'm not mistaken. But he never looked. But to me, he never looked good a second. Right, right. So it's not a perfect. I mean, well, the the positional adjustments are generic, right? And so it right, isn't... right. And they and they involve they do involve some selection bias. Right. Uh, so all I'm saying is that anyway, I we gotten down the rabbit hole of the world. So again, I know. Right, we gotta stop that. We gotta stop that. A lot of, but a lot of people have holes. I mean, this is the AL Central. It's not like... <laughs> We're not talking like nine. The, the Tigers just went to the World Series with Delman Young as their primary DH. The Royals can survive having a crafty player second. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's it's having five marching Irvin Santana there is your opening day ace. When you look, even if you like the trade, when you acquire Irvin Santana and he's obviously the best pitcher, starting pitcher on your team, you've done something wrong. And, uh, yeah, right. There needs to be, and it, it's actually it's a good it's a good year if you're in the market for kind of second second tier free agent starting starting pitchers because yeah. while there's no one really at the top probably besides Granky I guess yeah uh, there are a lot of pitchers like you mentioned Anibal Sanchez who sort of occupy that second space like I think like when I was doing the the crowdsourcing for the the free agent contracts or projecting the free agent contracts. Yeah, our re- crowd is cheap. What's that? Our crowd is cheap. They are, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, there might be like a. I'm gonna be mad. There might be a like a, a persistent inflation that needs to be applied across the board, or at least towards yeah. the top end. But the um, but it was hard to find a cutoff. I mean, I ended up having to to create forms for 21 pitchers, 21 starters, and that's I mean, a lot. Way, I mean, maybe we're maybe we're going too far over time. But see, to me, in pitching, there's. I actually would put, I mean, Grinky's uh, probably not as awesome as I thought he was a year or two ago, but he's clearly the best pitcher in the class, and he's the only one who I'd say is a number one starter, um, whatever that means. But it's, you know, the, uh, but honestly, I think Sanchez is all alone in the second rank because there's too many questions about all the other guys. 
I mean, okay. there's yeah. Sanchez has had health issues, but he's pitched almost 200 innings the last three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mostly in the NL, but even with that adjustment, he's still good. He's a nice swarm of pitches. Would you say as see? I never know what to say. Would you say he, the guy? He's got four pitches or five pitches. If 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 his if he switches between a, a I don't know if it's a two seam or just a sinker. So I, probably, I probably wouldn't be. I probably wouldn't worry about the distinction. He has a nice repertoire. Four or five pitches. He's got a nice repertoire. You know, he doesn't have a big platoon split. Uh, I know some people think his delivery is is not great, but I don't know enough about that to judge that. Uh, uh, and he uh, he's 29, which is not young, but that's decent for a free agent pitcher. Uh, no, and his velocity has been consistent for the past three or four seasons. There's just and, and another thing I noticed is this isn't a case where you can say, well, okay. His ERA is, you know, look, yeah, I believe in the dips revolution or whatever, but, you know, we do know that there is some skills that we haven't accounted for yet with that. This isn't a guy, though, where you've got big questions about, okay, we've got to hope his ERA regresses back to his peripherals or the other way. Right. Wow, he's got a really low ERA. It's, there's just, it, there's just a lot of safety there. You know what I mean? It's not like with, uh, Kyle Lowe's where, yeah, I think he's if he gets five seventy five, that's just insane. I mean, he's thirty four, but also, yeah, he is a lot better. So is he, you know, we we know he's got to be better than his dip stats. But he's, is he that much better than his FIP? Or you've got Edwin Jackson, who I don't know what's up with that guy. You know, three years ago he was the dude who always seemed to just be getting lucky on balls in play. In the last three years, uh, not so much last year, but two out of the last three years, his ERA has been a lot higher than his FIP. And of course, he also had a big velocity drop this year. What I'm saying is, I think Sanchez is, is way above those guys. He has Sean Markham, who I think his velocity, I think he throws a 32 mile per hour fastball. Yeah, it's now. about that. It's right about that. I mean, I like Markham. I mean, he gets hurt all the time. Uh, you know, you got all sorts of guys like that. Uh, Brandon McCarthy, I think an anvil fell on his head yesterday. Uh, or maybe a piano is going to fall out of a plane and smash into him in January. The dude just you're making hurt. up, you're making things up now. But, Klaus, I need you to get off my phone right now. Oh yeah, okay, bye. No, no. <laughs> Why well, stick around for a second? But let me, let me say goodbye to you formally. Hey, listen, it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you. It is. That's what that's what that's the part that I'll let the audience hear. Um, yeah. That this is, that has been uh, uh, Matt Klaus and Fangraphs. Thank you, thank you, Matt. Small eternity with Matt Klaus thank you, thank you, right. Carson. Oh, that, oh, I like that. Is that is that a, is that a reference to something? A small eternity? Uh, there's yeah. There's uh, now that I think about it, there's a Frank Zappa album. Actually, well, it's, it's just epilogue. Okay, so uh, there's a, a long time ago, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention yeah. did a concert at one of the Fillmore's with John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and they, and then John and Yo, at the, the end of the Zappa set, the Mothers set, they went into uh, their long uh, sort of impromptu. King Kong, as mm-hmm. I'm sure the listeners are familiar with King Kong. Yeah. And John and Yoko came out. Of course, Yoko did her thing where she performs, you know, with her voice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's screaming. There's a lot of funny stuff. This is the Zappa sort of vaudeville band with the turtles. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so then later, uh, John and Yoko actually released it to credit for that song, which kind of pissed Frank off. Then years later, so Frank Zappa finally relieved, released his full tapes of, I think it's called Playground Psychotics. And uh, the section of the, of the, of the, of the, the CD where they get to the part with Yoko, Jane with the band is called A Small Eternity with Yoko. Ono. That's funny. That's where she's just doing her <laughs> thing, you know. That's what, almost exactly what she sounds like for 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. That has been Matt Clausen. Matt, stay around yep. for a second. 
Uh, I, I'm Carson Stooley, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Yep. <laughs>